God, I just thank you that you look down upon us and you smile and you like that we have fun and that you, you have fun. And so, Lord, it is our joy and it's our honor and it's our, our privilege and pleasure to love and serve and honor you. And God, we thank you. Um, Jesus, you said that where two or more are gathered, that you are in our midst. And here we are, there's m- many more than just two of us here, and we're gathered here under, your, under the banner of your name, under the banner of your authority. We thank you that you are here. So we ask you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts today. Transform our lives in a way that we would be different when we leave than when we came. And everybody said amen. Amen. Today we are wrapping up this series that has been helping us better grasp uh, and, and get a better understanding of our identity in Christ. And we have repeatedly said that uh, our identity, knowing who you are, what you believe about yourself, is the most foundational thing in all of life. Uh, I would say there's probably one more thing that's more foundational, and that is the way that you view God. The way that you view God is like, boom, number one, and then right on, the, next, the next brick on top of that would be the way that you view yourself. And so, uh, you know, picture your life like one of these glasses here. You've got your, your life here, and every single day you have a, a choice. Every single day you have an opportunity to decide what am I going to identify with? What am I going to fill my life with as far as my identity goes? We've got, you know, God's identity for you, and we've got the enemy's identity. We're just this culture. And there's, there's two different identities, and you can choose. And what happens is the more, I mean, everything that we do in our life, you know, as we're filling our lives full of these thoughts of, of who we are in Christ, this overflow that's happening here, that's our feelings. That's the way that we talk. That's the way that we think about things. That's the way that we view the world. That's the way that we treat ourselves. That's the way that we treat others. And so you can fill yourself full of God's identity, or you can fill yourself and just identify with the things that the, the enemy wants to speak over your life or this culture. And again, it's the same, the same principle. The overflow of that identity is going to be the way that you think, the way that you feel, the way that you act, the way that you talk, the way that you hear things, the way that you view other people, your relationships, and everything's the overflow of one of those two things. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, it says, I've given you an option here. I've put this before you. You can choose either life or death. And so we, we've got this, this, uh, this choice. Which picture of identity are we going to pour into ourselves? Are you going to pour from who God says you are in Christ, or are you going to pour from this world and what the enemy says over you. Last week we said this. We said that God redeems us, God renews us, and God restores us. Can you guys say that with me? God redeems us, God renews us, and God restores us. And so we've got this, this place of beginning. That's the redemption. That's the beginning place. And we've got this place where God wants to take us, and that's restoration. And the in-between part is called renewal. And so God wants to take us to this place of restoration, and to get us there, we go through a process of renewal. I mean, it's, the renewal part has nothing to do with the redemption. The redemption part is done. It's absolutely done. It's finished. The renewal part has nothing to do with trying to earn God the redemption that, that Jesus paid for you. But what it is, it's identifying with that redemption. 
The renewal part is going, okay, now I identify. I claim that. That's who I am. That's what I, that belongs to me is that redemption. And as we get that, as we fill ourselves up with that, we come to this place of restoration. And so uh, Paul said a lot about that. And this is what we're going to focus on today is this renewal part. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, this is what Paul said. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so here's, that's that destination. That's the place where God's wanting to take us. That what we know is the will of God, that it's good, acceptable, and perfect. And the way that we get there is the path of renewal. It's not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we will know what is the perfect and acceptable will of God. I, I like the way that the message prayer, paraphrase puts it. This is what Dr. Peterson, how he wrote it. He said, Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. But instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you, and then quickly respond to it. Unlike the world that's around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. When, when Paul's talking about this world, where in, in, the pair, in the message prayer phrase it says culture, what it's talking about there is like the governing attitudes, the governing systems, the way of life. Paul's saying don't, don't just think like everyone else thinks. Don't just conform and fit the mold and the shape of the governing systems and attitudes and way of life of this culture and the world around you but instead be transformed into who God intended for you to be and the way that we get to do that is through the renewing of our mind. God wants to change the way that we think so that we can possess the identity that Jesus paid for us, the authority that he wants to give to us, that he has given to us, and the inheritance that he's given to us as children of God. Uh, let me ask you this. How, how many of you have ever seen the shows on television, more than likely they're on HGTV, but maybe some other channels as well, like Fixer Upper and Property Brothers and shows like that where they take a house. How many of you have seen these? Okay, so nearly everybody. There's like one guy in the back that's doing this. I don't watch that girl stuff, but anyway. <laughs> girl stuff? What are you talking about? There's demolition happening here. I like that. You know, we're taking stuff and tearing it apart. It's amazing what they do with these houses, isn't it? And in every show, it's very similar. You know, they go on like, we're going to tear down these walls. We're going to open up this floor plan. We're going to put in quartz countertops. We're going to put shiplap on these walls, you know. <laughs> and you kind of get used to it episode after episode, but it's still fun to watch the transformation that ha is happening here. I, I keep waiting for the episode where they're like, we found this refrigerator box on the side of the road, and we opened up the floor plan. Now it's 4,000 square feet, and we've listed it for $500,000, you know. Because it's amazing what they do with, in these projects. It's, it's incredible. And, and so a lot of times in these old houses that you go into, like the structure is very sound, the bones are good, the foundation is good, but you go in and you've got all these rooms. You've got the living room, and then you've got the formal living room. You've got the dining room, and you've got the formal dining room. And it's just like, who lives like that anymore? You know, it's chopped up and it's not functional and it's just, it doesn't have a good flow for today's living. And, and so 
you know, what they do is they go around, we're going to knock these walls down. We're going to put up this header to, to make sure, you know, it still has support. Uh, we're going to modernize it. We're going to make it look fantastic, and it does. And it's going to be functional. It's, fa- it's, it's, it's awesome. I love to watch it. But when it comes to you and I living in a renewed way of thinking in Jesus, it's a lot like renovating a house. You know, the Holy Spirit moves into your life, and he's like, you know what? We've got some work to do now. Yeah, you're born again. Yes, you're saved. But now it's time to do some renovation. It's time to knock down some walls. It's time to put up some headers to support the new way of life. As a matter of fact, we're even going to move the staircase in a different place because the staircase where it is, going from this level to the next, that, that doesn't make any sense. You've got you to go around too far. We're going to put the staircase here because I want you to go from this level to the next a lot quicker. We're going to redo the electrical. We're going to redo the wiring and the plumbing. We're going to do all this work because I'm going to make your life my home. That's what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do. Now, again, remember, redemption happens in a moment. You know, the moment that you sign the papers and close on the deal, close on the house, boom, you belong to God. He has the keys. I was going to hold up those keys, but I gave them to, to Lowell. Um, you, he owns the keys. He owns you. He has the keys to your house, but now he comes in and goes, all right, fix her upper. You know, and God gets like Chip and Joanne on the phone. All right, guys, I need you to come over, and we've got some work to do. And, and this is called the renewing process. This is the renovation. It's the renewing process. And here's the great thing about God is that you can trust him. I've got some friends right now who are like on week six or seven of getting their floors relayed in their house, something that should have been a, a two-week job. They, they had a flood, and so they, the insurance paid for their, the whole like lower level of their house for the hardwood floors to be replaced. And what should have been a two-week job I think is now on like six or seven weeks, maybe longer, I don't know. And this, how many of you have had like issues with like, you know, contractors or handymen before where, you know, you, you hire them, but you really want a recommendation from a friend because you're really not sure. The, the bummer part is that this guy was recommended from a friend, but he is just, this guy's falling through. And sometimes I think we, we have hesitation about renovation. We have hesitation about, uh, I'm not really sure about this, but I want to tell you, you can trust God. You can trust him. He shows up on time. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He doesn't just start the project and then leave you hanging. He's the master builder. He's the master craftsman. He knows how you're wired. He doesn't need a stud finder. He knows where all your studs are already. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared beforehand for those who would walk in them. We are his workmanship. God has prepared beforehand. He's got the plans. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, a lot of us in here are probably very familiar with that verse. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you. There are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I think, so one, one of the things is that we, we have a hard time trusting God sometimes because other people have burnt us, but you can trust him. And then I think another time we have, another reason we have hard times is because we can't see the end from the beginning like God can. And we're like, God, I don't, I don't know what you can do with my life. 
we're looking at, at what needs to be renovated. We can't see what he sees. When he walks into your life and sees all this renovation that needs to happen, he doesn't just see the things that need to be fixed and replaced and worked on and refinished. He already sees the future. He already sees you re renovated. He sees you renewed. He sees you in the restored place. And we're like, well, God, I got a leaky roof. My life is like a leaky basement or a damp basement. God, my life is like a dysfunctional floor plan. And we're just looking at the problem. But God sees the end. He sees you restored. And what we need to do is ask God, ask the Holy Spirit for a revelation of, of his vision for our lives. You know, God's like, don't worry about it. I've already ordered the inspection report. <laughs> I know what it's going to cost. I know how long it's going to take. And it doesn't matter how leaky your roof is or how damp your basement is or how dysfunctional your floor plan is. You're worth it. And none of that can scare me away. Our job now is to allow God to have his way in us. And the first step in us partnering with God in this work is recognizing that he's not just the homeowner. He doesn't just have the keys, but he's also got the tool belt. He's the renovator. He's the renewer. He's the contractor. He's wanting to renovate our lives. And this process is called renewal. One of the cool things about renewal is that part of it is about what God wants to do in us. But the other part is about what God wants to do through us. God's renewal, he, he wants renewal to happen within us so that renewal can happen through us. Here's some renewal vocabulary that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 5. He said this about you and I. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. You are like a lantern. This language that Jesus is using here is it's about us being involved in the renewal process, not just in our own lives, but in the world around us. His identity and his destiny for your life is for you to be a world changer. It's not for you to just fit in with everybody else, but it, his destiny for your life is to actually bring renewal and change to those around you, to where you have influence, in, in ways that you can see, and often in ways that are unaware to you. But before God can change the world through you, he's got to change the world in you. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And so the Pharisees are asking him about the stuff. And in, in verse seven, uh, uh, chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus says this. He says, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. In other words, you, you know, it's not like a, a piece of property or a building or a castle or a palace. You can say, well, that's where the kingdom of God is. It's not flags, it's not borders, it's not fences. The kingdom of God is within us. Jesus says, you won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. The kingdom of God is already within you. And when Jesus says the kingdom of God is within us, what he's saying here is that God's rule, God's reign, God's dominion, God's power at work in the earth first begins with his rule and his reign and his dominion and his power at work within us. That's where it starts. 
And, and so when we really submit to the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. When we really start submitting to that, when we really start coming to agreeing with, in agreement with that, when we're choosing to surrender and yield and obey, that's the renewal process. And it begins to be accelerated the more that we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says this in verse 29. He says that God's plan for us is to conform us into the image of Jesus. In other words, Jesus is the blueprint. Jesus is the blueprint. And God wants to build our lives so that we would look and act and function just like Jesus. Jesus is not a standard that we have to measure up to. This is not something that we've got to try and strive to attain to and then walk in condemnation and guilt when we don't meet the mark. No, this is just saying, Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Build me, build my life to look like Jesus. And when you, when you hit those times, you're like, oh man, I, I, I ran into a room here that I thought the wall was knocked down. This room hasn't been renovated yet. You say, okay. Well, Holy Spirit, come in and here and have your way in this area now. <clears throat> so we have this language, this conform language. In Romans 8, Paul says we're conformed into the image of Jesus. In Romans 12, he says don't be conformed into the image of the world or the, our culture, but instead be transformed. So th this word conformed means mold, basically. There's a mold. Not like there's like mold like in your basement or under the sink somewhere, but a mold like a form. There's a predictable shape. And so when you pour molten metal into a mold and that metal then cools, it takes that exact shape. It's an exact replica of whatever that mold was. So what the culture around us wants to do is put us in their cookie cutter and just stamp us into what they look like. And they're like, hey, if you want to fit in with us, if you want to fit in with us, here's how to believe Here's how to talk. Here's how to dress. Here's how to be entertained. Here's how to make decisions. Here's how to raise your family. Here's how to, you know, here's how to conduct your finances. And that's what the world wants to do. But God says, I want to transform you from that old mold. And I want to take you and conform you into the mold and the template of Jesus Christ. So, what does it mean for us to look and act and think and function like Jesus? What are some of the things that Jesus did? When Jesus was confronted with temptation, he didn't surrender to it. He overcame it. The thing about Jesus is that, yes, he was fully God, but he was also fully human, and he was tempted in every single way that we are tempted, and yet he didn't sin. And he didn't give in. He overcame. He didn't miss the mark. So if Jesus was an overcomer, and God wants us to conform to the image of Jesus, then it's God's plan for your life to be an overcomer. And I'm not saying this to, to, get, to heap guilt or condemnation on you. I'm saying this for you to get a picture of your life, to get a vision of your life. Because I think sometimes we settle for the sin in our life. We think, Man, I just keep running into this same room over and over again. I thought the walls were torn down, but they're still here. And this old nasty carpet is still here. And it's not been renovated yet. I guess this is just how I'm going to have to live. I'm just going to have to just live that this wall's not torn down, that this carpet's here, 
that the paint on the walls are, are messed up. I just, I'm going to have to deal with it. I guess this is just the way it's going to be for my entire life. But God's like, no. No, that's not the vision for I, have your, I have for your life. I, let me come in. Let me do my work. It, it, I, I might do some things that you didn't expect. I might do it in a way that you didn't expect. But let me come in. Again, it's not, it's not about you trying. It's not about you striving. It's not, don't feel guilt and condemnation when, when you don't measure up. But you run to Jesus. And you say, Jesus, come into this room yet. It's not been renovated. Jesus, come in. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come in and show me how I can partner with what you're wanting to do to get these walls knocked out and to get this carpet ripped up and this new floor laid and, then, and the paint on the walls done. We're going to put a new window in this room that didn't have a window before. Let the, the light come in. Let's get a revelation. Let's get a picture. Let's look at the blueprint that God has for our lives. He, Jesus was an overcomer, and that's God's plan for your life. He wants you to be an overcomer. What did Jesus do when he was face-to-face -face with demons? Did he run? Did he hide? Did he chicken out? Did he scream like a little girl, run away? No. He confronted the powers of darkness. He exerted his authority over demons and made them leave. So if God wants us to conform into the image of Jesus, then that means that we have authority over the power of darkness. By the authority of Jesus, we have the ability to confront and expel and exercise authority over the powers of evil. Some years ago, there was a great man of God, a general in the faith by the name of Lester Summerall. I mean, have you, have you ever heard of Dr. Lester Summerall? Let me see your hand. Okay, so several hands are going up around the room. Dr. Summerall did a lot of work in the Philippines. And uh, just an amazing man of God, amazing worldwide ministry, did a lot with, with feeding uh, the hungry. And this one particular day, Dr. Summerall had cast a demon out of a young Filipino girl. And so that later that night, he's laying in his bed, he's asleep, and then something began to happen that was unusual. The wind started blowing into his room very strongly and blowing the curtains, going crazy. And then the temperature in the room dropped, and it, was very, it became very cold and kind of damp. And then there was an odor that filled the room as well, a strange odor. And then something even more unusual began to happen, and that's his bed began to shake violently. So much so that it shook itself away from the wall and out into the middle of the room. Well, Dr. Summerall sat up in his bed. And he says, demon, I recognize you. I cast you out earlier. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get out. And boom, all of a sudden the demon left. The temperature in the room normalized. The odor left. The wind stopped blowing. Amazing. Amazing. But that's not the end of the story. Because then Dr. Summerall realized... My bed is out in the middle of this room. This is not right. This is out of place. So he walks over to the window and he says, Demon, get back in here. <laughs> and what happened? The wind blew. The odor came in. The temperature dropped. And he said, put that bed back where it goes. And that bed began to shake. And it shook right back over where it went. And then he says, now get out of here. And the demon left. I'd say that Dr. Summerall had a pretty good idea of his identity and his authority in Christ. Jesus confronted the powers of evil. We don't have to be afraid. We have authority. 
Jesus healed the sick. Jesus showed compassion. I'm not a very compassionate person. Listen, don't settle for what some personality test tells you. Don't, I'm not saying that the personality tests are unhelpful. They're very helpful tools. But don't settle for some mold being conformed, but be transformed. <laughs> Come over here through renewal and be the image of Jesus. God wants you to do these things, exert power and authority over evil forces to heal the sick, to show compassion, to see through people's words and actions and see straight to their heart and motive. Jesus is the template that God wants to conform us into. And imagine your life. Imagine what God can do with your life. Imagine one billion Christ followers on the earth today that aren't just people that say we believe in Jesus, but we're actually being transformed by the renewing of our minds into the image and mold and template of Christ himself. The world would be a different place. So renewal comes within us so God can bring renewal through us. You might say, J.D., this sounds very great, sounds awesome, it's very inspiring renovating and renewing and changing and transforming and Optimus Prime and <laughs> but it sounds like it just sounds like some made up you know like I, don't, I can't see my life that way or or it sounds so good but I don't know how to go through that process I don't know how to get from where I am now to where God wants me to be what can I do how can I partner with the work of the Holy Spirit in my life a wonderful question. That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about just some real pragmatics. Let's don't just leave here inspired, but let's leave here with some tangible things that we can do when we walk out of here to partner with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives in the renewal process. One of the first things that we can do is identify and remove any barriers. You know, there's voices and influences in our lives that, are, that speak to us in some way, shape, or form. And those, those voices and influence, influences are contrary to what God says over your life. They're contrary to his identity in your life. They're barriers. And if you want to renew your mind, then start identifying what those barriers are and remove them. You've got to get like Liam Neeson on those things. You know? I don't know who you are, but I have a very particular set of skills. <laughs> I will look for you, I will find you, and I will kill you. That's how we have to be. We've got to be aggressive about barriers in our life. And I don't know what the barriers are in your life. Maybe it's social media. <laughs> That's the thing that you need to kill. Because it's only feeding into you things that are contrary Maybe it's a barrier for you. Maybe it's other media that you're feeding on. Maybe it's shows or movies that you watch or your music selection. Maybe it's the news. Good gosh, I can't watch the news for more than five minutes and feel just my spirit being like, oh. And then I just, uh, that, hang on, that's God's vision for this world is not what I see on the news. I'm going to come into agreement with God's vision. I'm going to pray for these things that I see on the news. I'm going to exercise authority over that. Now I may not be there in person, but I'm there in the spirit. Maybe it's even particular relationships that you need to step away from because 
there's people in your life that are influencing you with their voice. And it's a barrier from you being renewed. And so you're like, hey, I just need to not spend as much time with that person. I need to not give that person what they're saying as much weight as I have been in my life. Another practical way that we can lean into the renewal process is that we can start memorizing and meditating God's Word. Start by just simply looking up some passages about your identity in Christ. And then begin to memorize them. Try, try this. Try in a week or two weeks memorizing just one verse or a passage. And just start there. Memorize it, meditate on it, chew on it. Ask the Holy Spirit to allow the truth of God's Word to infuse itself into your DNA. Ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit, how, what I'm meditating and what I'm memorizing, how does this apply to my everyday life? But J.D., I just don't have time to do that. Right. So just go ahead and keep scrolling through your social media feed. It's amazing what we make time for. If you need some help with this, here's a great place to start. The YouVersion app. You can get on whatever operating system that you have. The, the one that Jesus likes the most has a piece of fruit on it, but... <clears throat> There's therefore now no condemnation to Android <laughs> users. I'm talking about taking scripture out of context. What, what is this preacher doing? Um, seriously, the YouVersion app is the most popular Bible app in the world. It's like packed full of incredible devotionals, even bite-sized things that take you just minutes in the morning. But it's that process of you entering into the renewal process and meditating and memorizing God's word and, and, and so you can even listen to cer- certain translations, certain versions. You can listen to them, the audio of it. So while you're on your commute, while you're working out at the gym, while you're doing chores, while you're doing whatever, you can be filling your mind with the Word of God. And so let's turn off talk radio. Let's turn off the news. And let's turn on God's Word. You say, well... Man, if I do that, then I'll come into the office, I'll come into work, and everybody will be talking about the, the latest current event, everybody will be talking about the game, and they'll be talking about the, you know, the, the, the latest movie, and if, if I do all that, then, then I won't know how to engage in the conversation. I won't look as smart. I won't know what's going on. Yeah, you, you might jeopardize your position as the number one sports guy in your office. You might jeopardize your position as being up on current events. You might jeopardize your position being up on all the latest entertainment. That's possible. But when that coworker comes to you and starts talking to you about what's going on in his marriage, when that coworker comes to you and starts talking to you about what's going on with their kids or with depression or finances or whatever what's going on in their life, then you can be the Word of God guy. And you can actually speak over them some words of life and words of truth and words of love that are actually going to be beneficial to their life. And I'm not saying that sports is wrong and evil. I'm not saying that staying up on current events or entertainment, any of that is bad or wrong or evil. But what I'm saying is, what what did did, um, John the Baptist say? God, less of me and more of you. And maybe... 
the way that we could say it is this, less of me so there'll be room for more of you. So we're meditating, we're memorizing God's word, but then let's take it to a whole other level. Let's become a student of God's word. This is different than just memorizing and meditating scriptures. This is like, here's the difference. This is like standing on the beach, standing on the shore, and the tide is like rolling up over your feet and your ankles and onto your legs, and that's really cool, and that's awesome. And that's like meditating and memorizing God's word. It's wonderful. But then it's like, hey, I'm ready to put on the scuba gear, and I'm ready to explore the beauty of the reef. That's the difference. And so studying your Bible, taking time to learn the context of which the scriptures were written in, I cannot tell you how many scriptures I learned growing up as a kid that as I began to study them as an adult, or even as a teenager, but as a teenager and adult studying scriptures, I go, wow, I heard a lot of people quote this scripture out of context. It happens all the time because we like to just take one little verse and support our point of view. But if we look at things in context, which I'm still, I'm still discovering things as I study and as I hear things and I explore God's word and go, oh, wow, I didn't know. I didn't know that this is what this meant. I didn't know that now that I see the context, now that I've, I dove in a little bit deeper and I've found out the meaning of this, the significance of this, the shadow of what this means. I see this now. Oh, man, it's exciting. And here's the cool part about it is that you don't have to do it alone. You can find someone and, and like we did all in school, in the school days. Hey, come over. Let's study. Find a study buddy and explore God's word. And it's fun and it will come alive in your life and it will change you. Another step toward renewing our minds is taking time to listen when we pray. We often spend a lot of time talking to God, but maybe not enough time listening to what He wants to say. We've all heard the saying, God gave us two ears and only one mouth, so we can do twice as much listening as talking. And so, if we want to renew, if we want to renovate our thinking, then we need to practice the skill of listening and hearing the voice of God. His words are the most powerful force in the universe. One word from God can change your life. At His word, the world was created. So our job is to listen and to hear. So when you pray, be intentional about just taking time, leaving margin, leaving room to just be still and listen. There's a lot of other things that we could talk about today, about partnering into this renewal process, but we're just going to mention one more. And that's this. If you are serious about entering into this renewal process, then let's capture every rebellious thought. Capture every rebellious thought. Rebellious to who? Rebellious to what? Any thought that is rebellious to who God says you are. Any thought that's rebellious to what God says that He wants you to do. Any thought that is rebellious to what God says belongs to you. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, Paul talks about this. He says that we capture these rebellious thoughts and we teach our thoughts to obey Christ. Why is this important? Because rebellious thoughts, they often eat up and they take away the mental space that we're trying to use to see ourselves the way that God sees us. And so rebellious thoughts come in, and they're like, no, hey, we're going to occupy this space, and there's not going to be as much room in here, because, you know, we all have only a certain amount of RAM. The glass is only so full. You can't, I can't pour any more into this. It's, it's full. And so if, if I pour into this glass, and it's, and it's full of negative thoughts, then yeah, eventually that water is going to, eventually it's going to take a lot more of me pouring the right identity in this to pour all of this dark liquid out of here. But the best thing to do in the first place is not have this dark liquid. And so when the dark liquid comes, when the rebellious thoughts come, we say, whoa, 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 hang on a second. Hang on a second. We're not going to do that. This is what we're going to do over here. We're going to fill ourselves up. We're going to make our thoughts obey Christ. We're going to make our thoughts come into alignment with who God says that we are, what God says that we have, and what God has called us to do. Let me ask you this, though. Hold on right here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. This is a pretty popular verse that a lot of us have heard. Paul's writing to the church here in Philippi, and he says, here is what your thought life should look like. Think on things that are true, Think on things that are noble, that are right, or just, of good reputation. If there's anything worthy of praise, if there's anything excellent, this is where you want your thoughts to make their home. So, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever had a thought that is basically the opposite of what I just said? <laughs> and a lot of people just refuse to raise it. I mean, I think, like, I only think about those things. We're going to pray for you later. Um, let me just say this. Let me free you from, uh, well, here's what the devil does. Here's what the devil does. So I know what thoughts I'm supposed to think on. Things that are true, things that are right, things that are just, things that are noble, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are of good report, good reputation, things that are excellent. If there's anything worthy, uh, anything to be praised in it, that's the thing I'm supposed to think about. And then all of a sudden, a thought that it's not one of those things comes into my mind. And, And so the enemy says, not only does he send a negative thought, but then he sends condemnation with it and says, look at you, you're having thoughts that don't line up with the scripture. And then so we have this compounded negative stuff happening in our life. And so here's what we have to realize. Be free from that guilt and condemnation that you had a negative thought, that you had a bad or sinful thought. Because you cannot keep a bad, negative, or sinful thought from coming in from time to time. Just like you can't keep a bird from flying over your head. But what you can keep the bird from doing is making a nest on your head. And so you have to say, what, what are we going to do with those thoughts? Are we going to feed them? Are we going to accept them? Are we going to encourage them? Are we going to meditate on those things? Enter, entertain those things? Let them linger? Because what's ha- what happens often is that we let those things linger, and what happens is like this downward spiral moment that it just happens all of a sudden. We go from one thing, and then the next, and then the next, and the next, and the next. 
and then it's out of control. That's the trap that many of us have stepped, to, stepped into, and we've also stepped into that, just that, the condemnation of having that bad thought. But when the bad things come, what do you do? When that sinful thought comes, what do you do? You say to yourself, that's the craziest thing. That's the craziest thing. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to treat that person that way. I don't believe, about, I don't believe that about myself. Jesus, would you reveal to me your truth right now? Show me your truth about this situation right now. Because I don't want to meditate on that. That's not what I want to fill myself up with. I want to fill myself up with this stuff over here so that all my actions, all my words, the way that I treat people, the way that I treat others is an overflow of my identity in you. God, remind me what belongs to me. Remind me of who you've created me to be. This is my identity. God redeems us and he renews us to restore us. And the renewal that he wants to do within you is so that he can bring renewal through you.